The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International. The process for improving some of these things that kind of came to the surface as a challenge um, was it all is rooted in, in that this is a, a job with people, your students, you need to make sure that you're building connections um, with the community so that they support your vision statement, they support what your students are doing, and ultimately that they have a good experience. So ensuring that um, you get to know every single student who they are, what their background is, and then you can use their, you know, their past experiences to then push that and plus the rapport that you have with them to push them further than they, they would ever be able to go otherwise. Um, and that is something when you have 500 plus students that you see daily, it becomes challenging. And mm -hmm. so my first year, like I said, I just felt like I, I just had to go, go, go um, and continue um, to do all the things that I learned in my fundamental classes in undergrad. But the reality was I needed to take a step back, understand that this is a job where connecting with people is essential if you want to be successful. So um, finding opportunities to build community through music making is my my top advice for anybody um, you know coming out of undergrad because if you are focused on those fundamental technical skills consistently, which it's easy to do, um, you kind of lose sight of how of, of the importance of making music with young people. That's Kate DeMonica, one of three young music educators who share their experiences with us on this podcast and tell us what they wish they had known when they first started teaching just a couple years ago. This is great information for any educator. This podcast is sponsored by LCL Mentors, found at lclmentors.com. What I Wish I Knew on the Marching Roundtable. a group of seasoned educators and professionals in the realm of communication, classroom management, all the things that we need to do to be successful teachers. And our complete mission is about helping teachers who have needs and improving any of those things or just need uh, someone to lean on and someone to talk with, you know, uh, where we provide that mentorship. And so we get to work with teachers one-on-one. -on -one. We get to work with full groups, uh, you know, marching bands, leadership teams, first-year teachers, anything. I mean, we just have an amazing team of people who uh, have been at the top of their game and as educators in all of these areas that are just doing wonderful work and uh, it's an exciting thing to be able to do that and, and being part of this podcast, being one of the things that we get to do just to help our teachers, you know, so that our students are also getting the best that they can get from us too. Absolutely. You can find out more about them at lclmentors.com. Hey everybody, it's Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Thank you so much for watching. What a great conversation this is going to be. What I wish I knew. Wow, I, got, I mean, I got to tell you, this is so interesting. Some edu music educators who were near the beginning of their career, and now it's like, oh, wow, I wish I had known this and this and this when I first started. What a great opportunity. With us tonight, John Franklin from um, Leaders Creating Leaders. John, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Tim? I am doing wonderful. So glad that you put this panel together. With us tonight, Kate DeMonica is here. Kate, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, so glad you're here. And Neerja Chandra Shakerin is here. How are you, Neerja? Doing super good. Thanks. Good to be here. Of course. And Rutledge Boykins with us. Rutledge, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy I can be here. 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be a great conversation. Before we start, um, this conversation is sponsored by Leaders Creating Leaders, who brings us LCL mentors. John Franklin, you're here representing them. Uh, tell us a little bit about what their mission is and what their work is. Absolutely. So, you know, speaking of, of teachers early in their career, uh, much of our mission is actually being able to help uh, teachers that are that are starting their career. Um, as we all know, uh, it's often an isolating feeling to be a first year teacher, uh, as you're going to hear tonight. Uh, and and oftentimes, uh, our first year teachers are going to be the only music teacher, uh, certainly the only band director in many many schools. And so, one of the things that we know that is a, a, a trend towards success for music educators is just having the right answers from the right people. And so, what we provide is mentorship we provide a sounding board we, we, we provide colleague and collegiality um, and just opportunities for you uh music educator to to reach out to somebody uh who's friendly uh who's here to give helpful advice we, we all of us who are mentors have been teaching for decades um and have a lot of experience working in, in essentially every situation you could think of whether it's you know rural school in the middle of the orange groves like i started with my career or uh you know urban uh suburban um powerhouse program you know, everything that, that we have. And so uh, we, we've done it all, we've, we're, we've faced it all, and we're ready to share it all with you too. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that tonight because all of our uh, guests here have been part of our um, uh, process and sort of in one way or another too. And so they've all had mentorship. And um, so we're going to let them share their experiences with you about that as well. That's great. So thank you so much to LCO Mentors for sponsoring this conversation. John, you're still coming in really hot on your mic. So if you can either back away from it or turn it down a little bit, that would be awesome. Okay. So now I'm going to turn this over to John. John, you're going to be leading this conversation. Can't wait to see what great information is shared. So um, take it away. Sure. Yeah. So uh, first of all, we have our, our guests, uh, panelists introduce themselves. If you can just share uh, a little bit about well, where you're teaching, how many, what year you're in, uh, you know, and uh, what school you're teaching at, where you're teaching from as well. Why don't we start with Kate? Absolutely. So my name is Kate DeMonica. I'm currently a band director in O'Fallon, Illinois, which is the metro east area of St. Louis. I teach fifth through eighth grade for O'Fallon School District 90, which is um, two junior high schools and five elementary schools. And we have approximately five over actually over 500 students this school year. So I started teaching in 2020, fall of 2020, um, which is a great year. And after that, um, I've been I've been there the uh, this is my fourth year actually so we just started fourth year so looking forward to the school year and being able to talk through some of those experiences with all of you. Great and Neerja, how do, why don't we hear from you? Yeah, sure. Hey guys, my name is Neerja Chandrasekharan. Um, I am a middle school band director at Gamble Rogers Middle School in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, this is my third year teaching and my second year in middle school. Um, and yeah, just really happy to be here and I can't wait to see. What we talk about. And then Rutledge. Hi, I'm Rutledge Boykin. I'm currently at Greenbrier High School in Evans, Georgia, which is a suburb of Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters Golf Tournament. Um, I'm assistant band director, and I also teach guitar in our program. And we have about, we're a bigger school in the area. We have um, over 1,900 students in our building walking around on a day. So mm -hmm. uh, that's our program. Great. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, the, there's always some things that we learn. We, we come into our first year teaching. We have these expectations uh, that uh, are really, really drastically different than what the reality is, you know. Uh, and so all of you 
experienced that to some degree or another, especially when it, when it came to this, the idea with COVID. So uh, I'd like to hear a little bit uh, about some things or a thing that you expected was going to happen or didn't expect to happen, um, especially for someone who's in their first year of teaching right now, who's going through something very, very similar. You know, talk about your experience with that and what did you learn from how you responded to this, this completely unknown aspect of your job? Um, I guess I'll start. Um, so many things were new the first year and the way you handle them says a lot about yourself. And I think sometimes we forget how much emotional acuity our kids have because they will totally read you for filth on any given day. So if you mess up on something or something unexpected happens, they're going to look to you to look at your response mm -hmm. and how you handle that will that will translate pretty heavily to them and yes they're young um even when i taught elementary school the point still stands like they're young but i don't think we credit children enough for being as aware of emotions as they actually are um but a specific time where something went wrong was three days ago <laughs> i'm gonna be honest um this is my first time teaching jazz band and I'm a clarinet player, so my experience in a jazz band is very, very little, though I am changing that. Um, and I taught them how to swing incorrectly. Um, my boyfriend, Kevin, works at my school. He teaches science, but prior to that was a uh, high school band director for four years. So we eat lunch together every day. And I told him I was so, so excited that I taught them how to swing. I mean, I was beaming. And he goes, you know, it's not the 16th note way, right? Like you got to teach them about triplets. And I was like, oh, I thought that was the wrong way. So now I'm feeling down about myself. And the next day I came in and I said, hey guys, um, first of all, sorry. And they go, oh no. <laughs> and you know, it, yes, I felt bad, but showing them like, hey, I can make a mistake. And as an adult, I can apologize and reteach it to you in a way that still makes sense. And you're going to be fine. Like we've been good since. And that was, yeah, three days ago. So mm -hmm. the way you handle those situations matters and the kids will read you no matter what. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of a conversation uh, we had in one of our faculty um, retreat meetings just a few weeks ago. Um, our chair made a really, really wise statement that I think resonates with everybody is the idea that as teachers, we are always teaching. Like everything we do is teaching our students and everything we don't do is teaching our students, you know, and I, I found for me, just uh, thinking about this, I got uh, a, a flashback to my first year of teaching and, and, and recognizing how much I had to learn that, that just the, the rolling of my eyes at, at, a, at a, an announcement that interrupted rehearsal or something like that, you know, just how impactful those little things are along the way too, you know. And then the second part of that, uh, what you said, Nirja, was just, you know, just being transparent. It's like, hey, I, I screwed up. I just, you know, this wasn't, I tried to do this, didn't do it the right way. We're going to try it go a different way you know um to your point I, I, the, the the students you have if they're not emotionally savvy uh, enough to be able to see through the the facade that we try to put up there 
you know, well, we, it, they, they're going to learn that pretty quickly, you know? And, and so that's, that's an important part. I think that's really, that's, that we always want to remember is the fact that we're not just teaching music. We're teaching people how to be people. And uh, that's a, a huge part of our jobs and our, uh, our, our passion and mission that we do too. So, uh, you know, so that's a, it's a, 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 that's a, that's a first year teacher experience. And in, in what year are you teaching now? <laughs> this is year three, year but three, with jazz yeah. particularly, we're starting that program from scratch from scratch yeah yeah so, yeah. yeah you know growing pains and that's that's uh yeah. there's a, as, as we, we try to tell our students in our ensembles hey make it if you're gonna make a bit mistake make a really bold mistake right go for it right you know and i think that that's something that i wish every teacher would feel inspired to do is not just to be you know to, to take some chances not just you'd be get stuck in the the box of whatever their state organization tells them to do or whatever they feel like the people they look up to would say, but to to think about what's the best for the music, what's the best for the students they have, and and just go for it and put that put that as their priority with they with what they do. Yeah. Good. How about uh, uh, Rutledge or or Kate? Do you, do you have any uh, horror stories that's, uh, from your first few years of teaching to to kind of share to with our our audience? I'll I'll jump off that that last point. I think those human moments that you can create for your students mm -hmm. are absolutely the most important um, learning. Mm -hmm. And it is really challenging, you know, when you're you're juggling all of these tasks of, um, you know, teaching them the music, teaching them how to finger an F sharp on the clarinet, or whatever the case may be, to I see a lot of band directors, and I've fallen into this um, sometimes, and especially my first couple of years teaching, is trying to pour from an empty glass, so to say, and making sure that, you know, because you are a role model, it's important to be transparent with your students. You know, when you're preaching, you know, we need to set goals, we need to take care of ourselves, we need to follow these expectations, that you are living by that yourself. And if you are, you know, running yourself ragged, um, and not putting a system in place that takes care of you as the educator that comes across to students and it ultimately takes away from the connections that you can build with students and your ability to be a productive role model. So I think um, as we go through this, I just think building rapport with students and letting students know that you care about them as people, not just as your second trumpet player um, is, is absolutely the key to success here and it's, it's a huge thing that i've learned in in working with um all the students i've had over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and to, to balance off of that i mean you, you made a really great point that that they need to see that you see them as people not just a tool for music making right you know and that's a hard thing to do because we have so many things there's so much stuff <laughs> that's pressure we're not being evaluated as teachers based on the you know the rapport that we build necessarily, but we're being evaluated by the product that we produce, and so that puts this pressure on us uh, to to kind of focus on that, you know, and 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 that can become problematic, you know. Um, so, do you guys have any any advice that you would give uh, to uh, young teachers, for, uh, the first year teachers, even that uh, on what you could do to build rapport and to build that 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 sense of you know, focusing on the humanity of your students, as opposed to just seeing them as your second trumpet players, you said. I, uh, I'd i like to start off with this one, especially coming in mid-year, if that's fine. So mm -hmm. I came in mid-year to a high school program where the head directors liked and the guy I replaced was loved. Um, and they had a great marching season. And I learned that the best way to connect time with your students is 
it's okay to tell yourself that your job is being with the kids. You're going to get, as a new teacher, emails, and you're going to have lesson plans due or projects due or things due. And it's okay that you have to remind yourself that if they hang out in your band room before school, I pick at least one or two days a week, and I don't plan it, but I don't sit at my computer, and I'll just drink my coffee and ask a kid, hey, how's you know AP US history going? Or... You know, you and your boyfriend broke up. That was your first breakup ever. You know, how are you feeling? And I think the best thing is to remember that for kids, while we think, oh, you know, they're playing in the wrong key signature, they're feeling, you know, what it's like to play an instrument for the first time. A lot of them at this age, no matter what we teach, they're feeling, even for college, they're feeling whatever feelings they're feeling for the first time. So um, I've learned the best way to, to build rapport is to spend time with the kids the way that I like to do that is I play a game that I actually teach my student leaders in my program called the Game of Five. And it's tell me five things about you, but you can't tell me your name is John and that you're with LCL mentors and that you have facial hair. And you make you weed out with them. Don't tell me the obvious things because no one's probably asked them about them. They've just made friends by accident and by luck. And it might feel like interrogating, but taking that time to show like, I'm here to actually get to know you. And then when the bell rings, like, okay, go have fun at math. And then they come back, hey, how was math? Um, that helped me build in one kid at a time in this reputation. So I might not have been as strong as my peer, who's a 20-something year vet and has his doctorate. When I would get on the podium to rehearse them, they'd be rooting for me because they knew I cared about them as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you know, some really important things that come up from what you were just saying. It's it's making the time, but also making the the intentional time and and not, I mean, I think a lot of band directors, we say, oh yeah, I make time for my students. If they come in my office, I'll stop what I'm doing and, you know, give them whatever attention they need to have. Um, but I think it's a different thing altogether to say, I'm going to not just be available when they need me, but I'm going to make time to be with the students, even if it's you know, it's, it's, it's scheduled time. It's kind of like the, the sort of the equivalent of like, Hey, we're having family night, right? Every Friday night's family night, <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, but, and just that, that intentional thing and, and students, especially students who don't experience that in any other relationship in their life, they're going to really resonate with that. Right. You know, and they're going to find that. I mean, I, all of us, and, and I think every band director that and a music educator that in, in our country could probably say that one of the reasons why they do what they do is because of a music educator or band director that they had that was very influential in their life. Right. You know, and it's those things. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly it's about the musicality and the musical experiences, but I can tell you for, for me, it, it was Max Cordell at Trinity Christian Academy in Jacksonville, Florida, who was the very first adult in my life that I set, thought, this man is passionate about human beings. He cares about people as much as he cares about the subject matter. And that just blew my mind, you know? Um, and so shout out to Mac. I just think he's the world of him. And, uh, and I'm glad that he had a, such a wonderful career. Uh, you know, so, but uh, that, that's a really, really good point uh, for that too. Uh, Kate, uh, Neeraj, anything from you on in terms of uh, just advice on how to build rapport and build a solid relationship with your students? Um, I went the opposite way this year. Um, with building rapport, I'm just trying out a bunch of stuff because I'm new, um, trying to see what sticks, you know, and one of the things that I did this year so far has been happy mail home. So I work in a community, just to give you guys some idea where a lot of my kids live in generational housing or their extended family has custody of them because their parents can't or don't or will not do so. Um, a lot of my kids have kids have parents who are in jail 
a lot of my kids are homeless. A lot of my kids don't have enough food to eat when they go home for the day. I mean, we're a Title I school, so all of our kids get free lunch and breakfast, regardless, all of them. Even if they bring lunch, they could go get in line for a second lunch, basically. Um, and then I also have the kids that are, like, completely fine and will never really have any issues ever. So it's really hard to tell who's who. <laughs> especially I think the striations are more evident in high school um, when they start to make their own money and they can start putting clothes on their own backs and like they have a little more ownership of themselves but in middle school you never know who's who so uh my choir cap class is my first period class of the day and I decided to send some happy mail home to every single parent um, and when I send emails home, I also send it to the kids. Whether or not they see it isn't really my problem, but just so they have record of it existing as well. And I told them in that email that I don't have a problem with any single kid. They have met and exceeded all of my expectations since the first day of school. Like starting my day with them truly is such a blessing and they make me so unbelievably happy every morning. The rest of the day is a different story. But regardless, I sent those parents happy mail because I really, really wanted them to know how wonderful their children are. And at my school, that's important because we're definitely a school where we only send unhappy mail home. So for the parents to hear something different for a change was really powerful. And the amount of responses I got back, like almost put tears in my eyes. I was just thinking, I'm going to send this email. They're going to read it. They're going to be like, oh, that's really cute. Next email, you know, so many of them took the time to be like, oh my God, thank you. This totally made my night. Like, thank you for loving my kid. Like some of the sweetest things. I sent another email home, particularly to one student's mother and that kid came back the next day, like skipping in my room. And she's like, Miss Shaker, thank you for sending that email to my mommy because I got an Amazon gift card and she took me to get ice cream. <laughs> like, exactly. That's, That's exactly awesome. how that needs to go. Like good for mom, you know, for acknowledging that her kid is amazing in my seventh period class. So building rapport can also go both ways, not only to the kids, but oh, kitty, but also showing the parents how much you really love them because then you get their buy-in and especially in band where we need parent support, like that'll go such a long way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of chiming off. Of, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Just kind of chiming off of that. I think um, you brought up a great point about how difficult it is to really get to know each and every kid, especially when you're um, teaching a large number of students. And I firmly believe that, um, you're not able to teach them as well as you could unless you have an understanding of their backgrounds. And that becomes challenging when you work with such a diverse group of students. That's um, the case for all classrooms. So something really simple that we've been doing is um, one day a week, I just set a timer for five minutes and let the class talk about whatever they would like to talk about. And what that provides is insight into their backgrounds, what their family lives look like, what kind of music they're listening to, what events they're going to. And from there, um, you can use this kind of prior knowledge, background, cultural capital to invest in their learning on a higher level. So. I just think giving them the space to share with you and their classmates really builds a team and a community. Um, and I think oftentimes band directors get wrapped up and I have to go, 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 go. But if you just put your you know foot on the on the brakes for a second, it, it really opens up a door and ultimately I feel leads to better teaching. So, you know, one of the things that's been sort of a common thread in a lot of what we okay. talked about tonight is is this balance between yeah. 
doing things for your students and for your programs and for your schools, but also that self-care. You know, I think Kate, you said something about how you can't you can't teach if you're an empty vessel, right? You know, and if you're even if you're a broken vessel. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm asking for is, is maybe a little vulnerability um, to hear from from you and in, in, in just what you've experienced. You know, because I, I know a lot of first year teachers that I talk to, one of the biggest things they struggle with is like they just they even compared to their student teaching. They just did not, they were not prepared for how time consuming, you know, this, it is when it's your first job, because especially most of the time, your first job, you're not walking into a situation where it's all cushy and everything's laid out and you've got all the support. You're probably building, you know, rebuilding, or you've got a lot of work to do, right? You know, so if you, if you don't mind, maybe talk a little bit about your experiences with that and, and, and how, how you, you experienced that maybe in your first year what you're doing now to, to really build towards taking care of your program, but also taking care of yourself in that regard. Sure. I'll, I'll start off. Um, so first couple of years, um, you know, when you're, when, actually when you're, when you get out of student teaching, you have a lot of information and skill sets on how to teach the band, how to make the band sound good. Um, but what they don't teach you is that in addition to being a band director, you're also a fundraiser. You're also an uh, administrator at some level. You're also a social worker, things of that nature. And that takes up the majority of the job and, you know, building connections with students is, is one of the most important um, parts of that job. But, they don't oftentimes teach you that it's it those other assets of the job are huge so that administrative level does take up a lot of time and when that ends up happening um it turns into um the email start the emails start piling up and you're up until you know 1 a.m and you have to be at the school at 5 30 the next morning and you're working 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 and then you continue and you haven't drinking water all day you haven't had your three meals you haven't had enough sleep and that goes back to you know not being the role model that you want to be for your students um so what i've found to be really helpful uh, my first year, we had a handbook, but it was not structured in the way um, that it is now. So every year that we've done this, we have a system in place for everything. We have expectations that we lay down for our students, our rules for our program, how we function as a large program. And we make sure that we keep our students accountable and our entire team accountable to those rules. And having those structures and making sure that the community and the parents and the students are on board with the vision and then all of the different um, components of that handbook and how our program runs and how we communicate, that eliminates a lot of questions and a lot of um, uh, you know, emails and things that don't necessarily need to be taking up your time. Um, so I think having a really um, laid out and thoughtful structure to your program and communicating in a way um, that is consistent and organized and clean, um, it takes less time and then you can have some time for yourself to truly take care of yourself. Um, and I learned that the, t the tough way. <laughs> one of my first couple of years teaching, I pink eye three times in, in one semester. So it's, and, and I really do feel that it's, it, it, it's making time for yourself and figuring out little tips and tricks along the way and trial and error, what works and what doesn't to refine something that is consistent. Mm -hmm. Well, those are, Nirja, any, anything you want to share from your experience? Um, 
I will say my first year went by like a blur. Like I started and I blinked and it was high school graduation. And sometimes I joke, I still don't know where I was at that point. So um, I love what you said, Kate, about having systems and building things in place. And that will take time. I think it's about also building down as well your individual day. When we're in school, your schedule is kind of built for you. And John, you said this at the beginning. When you're a band director, you're an entrepreneur. Like you are in charge of your business and you have to run your business like a business. Um, so I got really into time blocking. In my day, I live 30 minutes from school. My day starts at 6.15 in the morning when I get in the car. And that's when we're listening to literature. It might not be, it might be what we're doing in class. It might be just something for fun that I have in my library. Like, I don't know how this goes. And then um, I've learned using that time, building my commute to school and then learning when to turn off. It's like, all right, I'm maybe here till three, maybe here till four, till five, having a, this is when I sign out and go home and put my lunchbox in my backpack and leave time. And then um, learning how to turn off and learning how to have a hobby. I found, and I'm talking during marching band season and right now going to the gym during the week, um, my wife and I are having more dinners at home and time together because it's about time blocking. Now, are there a couple late nights where, you know, I'll get to school, my day starts at six and ends at nine o'clock? Yeah, that exists. Um, am I tired? And there's some days where I just have to tell her, be like, I can't, like, I just need to go to bed. It's like seven and we're going to sleep. But I think if you build a big calendar and time management yourself and tell yourself, no, it won't all get done and that's okay that you'll learn how to deal with that. Now, those first six months, 12 months, it may go by super quick. Because as Kate said, when you're building those systems, like if it's your first or second football game as a head band director in high school, you don't have that, here's how we get to the stadium, get in the stands and play the banner and go. It's going to blow past you and go, what happened? So I think allowing yourself to have time management and allowing yourself to learn that time management, as long as you have the input in your admin and the relationships, John, that you opened up first, as long as you did all that work in your first 30, 60 days, and people are going to know that you're just learning. It's if you don't, while you're trying to grow, if you didn't go put time into the adults in the building and you didn't let show them, Hey, I'm still new, then they're not as forgiving. And then all of a sudden you're staring at, you're like, you're, you feel worse. You feel like no one's on your team and you're so tired and you're overworked. Um, Cause that first year is going to be a rush because you've never been a working adult before. And some of the people in your building have done it for 30 years. So that's, that's the hard part. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we have talked about a lot tonight is, is a lot about the band director as professional, you know, so we got a few minutes left. Let's, let's talk a little bit about band director as a pedagogue and how you've grown as, just as a teacher, you know, just in the craft and the science and art of teaching, you know. Um, Kate, you said earlier that when you when you finish your student teaching, you have all this knowledge of, of how to make a band sound better. Um, but then there's things you find out, hey, I, I'm not really strong in this particular area, or I need to get better at this kind of stuff. Maybe can you share some stories uh, uh, that you've had, you know, in something that you realize, hey, I, I – I want to get better at this. And, and then what, were your, what was your process for, for improving that? And where are you with that today? Absolutely. I think um, the process for improving some of these things that kind of came to the surface as a challenge um, was it all is rooted in, in that this is a 
a job with people, your students, you need to make sure that you're building connections um, with the community so that they support your vision statement, they support what your students are doing, and ultimately that they have a good experience. So ensuring that um, you get to know every single student who they are, what their background is, and then you can use their, you know, their past experiences to then push that and plus the rapport that you have with them to push them further than they, they would ever be able to go otherwise. Um, and that is something when you have 500 plus students that you see daily, it becomes challenging. Mm -hmm. And so my first year, like I said, I just felt like I, I just had to go, go, go um, and continue um, to do all the things that I learned in my fundamental classes in undergrad. But the reality was I needed to take a step back, understand that this is a job where connecting with people is essential if you want to be successful. So um, finding opportunities to build community through music making is my my top advice for anybody um, you know coming out of undergrad because if you are focused on those fundamental technical skills consistently, which it's easy to do, um, you kind of lose sight of how of, of the importance of making music with young people. Okay, I'm gonna hop off that one. Actually, how you said like having those human moments is like you know, completely paramount to what we do. Um, coming out of my internship, that's when COVID happened for me. So I wasn't a teacher when COVID happened. I was an intern um, and I was a spring intern. So it was kind of like you Rutledge, like sort of on the way out. Also not really, no one knows what the protocol is. We're just going for it. Like I didn't really have a graduation and it, it just, it was what it was. Um, but one of the things that I really missed after graduating, especially because of COVID, I think that was a big, push for this feeling for me was playing with people like physically being in an ensemble again um because an intern you're at school and then you can't go to one symphony rehearsal you know you can't go to orchestra rehearsal because those, those things are usually during the school day at least for my university they weren't in the evening um so when i finally graduated one of the things that was kind of open to me was in audition to the first coast wind symphony um, we are a volunteer group, but we are nationally recognized. We're really good. Not to like to my own horn, pun intended. <laughs> um, but it is a very quality group, and I'd seen them perform before, and they had an opening in the clarinet section, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I, I think it would be good practice for me to take an audition because I haven't done that in like how long now, you know? And to even have a shot to play with other people was worth it enough for me to prepare for this. Um, and I won the spot which was really exciting. And I've been with them. This is my third that's season. Awesome. Um, yeah, thanks. So one of the things that that's really helped me with is quite literally being off the podium and going back to what you said, John, about like from a pedagogical standpoint, how have we improved? Man, just sitting and listening and watching my band directors teach is like, you can't put a price tag on that. There are so many times I'm in rehearsal with Wind Symphony or with First Coast uh, Wind Symphony. I'm on my phone, like typing word for word what my band director is saying. And I go, oh my God, I need to say that to my kids tomorrow. Like there have been so, I have a whole like running notes list on my phone or like, ooh, that rehearsal technique was really good. Or, oh, that's how I should listen to the French horns, even if they're on the opposite side of the room. Like little things like that, that, you know, it's things that we know from our internship. It's things that we know from our tech classes, but then you're in it again from the perspective of a band director and not as a college student. That has been 
so mind blowing for me. Um, and I, I really truly think that my pedagogy has improved because I'm sitting in ensembles and not directing them. So I know not everybody has access to that, but if, even if it's like you hop in for like a Christmas gig, like even those little meaningful moments of music matter, like you said, Kate, like totally it's life-changing. That's why we got into this to play with people and to have a good time. Like, yeah, directing is fun. We can wave a baton all day. Okay, cool. But Mm -hmm. being in that ensemble like you can't replicate that feeling yeah and that's why we all have degrees in this because right. we yeah. can't replicate that feeling so that's what you, said. Stole, you you stole mine i was going to say the exact same thing about playing is just so awesome to do as an adult and it makes you i mean your 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 group sounds a lot better than the one i'm in so shout out to you i just got <laughs> to show up um <laughs> But you're right. I I like it because it lets you think like the it lets you think like the kids do or like a student. Yes. And you're like, oh wow, like why did everyone just miss that rhythm? And then it lets you look at that in a different way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear the rest of this hour-long conversation on a webinar at marchingartseducation.com. There's a link to that webinar where this podcast is located at the Marching Roundtable. And you can find hours of great information about effective teaching in the over 1,100 podcasts at the Marching Roundtable and in the hours of webinar videos and interviews at Marching Arts Education. We are so grateful that so many of the top educators and designers in our activity have talked with us and shared their secrets. You can learn from these top marching arts professionals at any time at our website at Marching Arts Education. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, LCL Mentors, found at lclmentors.com. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. I so appreciate you listening. And if you'd like to find out more about me, go to beastofthemarchingarts.com. And please check out my new paranormally-themed bed and breakfast, The Phantom History House, at phantomhistoryhouse.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.